a short psalm, and I thought perhaps it would be appropriate if we all read it together at the top of page uh, in your program there, and also in the Bibles it is page 625. So it is Psalm 133, let's say it all together. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as the dew of Hermon were falling on the Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. We're now going to have the sermon. Thank you, Robin. Oh, good morning, everyone. My name is Tom. If you haven't met me before, a special welcome to you if you're new or visiting with us this morning. Uh, we hope you feel very welcome. Uh, the question I want us to reflect on as we look at this psalm is whether we long for unity. Do we long to be united? Or even do we know the joy of unity? Have we experienced that ourselves? The joy that comes from being one together in Christ. Uh, when I was younger, I went to a youth group, uh, which was a great experience for me. I loved uh, school, uh, I loved hanging out with my friends, but when I started going to youth group, I noticed that something was a bit different. Now, don't get me wrong, these were still teenagers, and so everything bad you can imagine about teenagers, I'm sure, was still true about all of us as well. We were pretty ratty, and we fought, and did, you know, we, we were normal kids. But when I went along to the youth group, I did notice that the way that these kids treated each other was different to school. There was something different about it. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And it took a while for me to realise there's a unity. There's a unity here in this group that, that I don't see with my mates at school. I was very close to my mates at school. We got on well. But there was something different here. It was a unity that came from these kids, these teenagers all following Jesus. And it was something that I hadn't really experienced before then. It really struck me. Like I said, we were all normal teenagers, nothing special. But there was a love, a togetherness that I hadn't experienced before and that made me really sit up and notice and think, this is different. And I think it was there that I first experienced that joy of unity that comes from being together, to being from, that comes from being one in Christ with each other. Something I really would enjoy going along to a camp, a Christian camp with each other. We've just uh, heard the summer camps that have been going on uh, over, over these summer holidays. Going together on camp, being united together as one in Christ. It is a joy. And I think if you've been a Christian for a long time, it can be easy to forget what a joy it is 
But if you were to talk to people outside of this wonderful unity, this wonderful communion that we are a part of as a church, uh, you would remember what wonderful joy it is that we have for this unity. So I want us to reflect this morning on do we know that joy? Do we long for that joy of unity? And of course, unity is at the heart of the gospel message. If there is one thing that we should expect to come out of people coming to Jesus and putting their trust in him, the Bible makes very clear it is that we should be united together as one. Uh, So Jesus, when he um, is speaking to his disciples just before his death, he tells them, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the mark. That's the sign. That you are a disciple of Jesus. That we have a group of disciples of Jesus. It's that they're loving each other. Or the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians writes, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We worship this one true God who makes us one. And so as we look at this psalm this morning, I want us to reflect on this joy of unity. Now, this psalm is part of a group of psalms that were written uh, called the Songs of Ascent. And the idea being that you would sing these songs on your way up to Jerusalem, Uh, for one of the festivals where you would worship God. And it was quite a special thing to go up to Jerusalem because the people of God were scattered. They were all over the place, all over Israel, but even beyond Israel as well. You had the diaspora, you had people from all over the Mediterranean who would come together, journeying from all different places, up one mountain, up Mount Zion, up to Jerusalem, where they would worship God together. And so you can understand why this would be one of the songs that they would sing as they go up together. Because as they are all heading up this one mountain, they are coming together as one to worship the one true God with one voice. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Keswick Convention Uh, in the Lake District. I haven't, and I'm a bit disappointed that I haven't had the chance to do that. But uh, Australians love to pretty much take anything that you've done here, and we do it in Australia as well. And so uh, in Sydney, we have our own Keswick Convention uh, in the Blue Mountains uh, in a town called Katoomba, uh, the Katoomba Christian Convention. And you get people from all over New South Wales coming to Katoomba uh, to hear talks, to sing praises to God, uh, and to encourage each other. And it's a great time. It's really fun. Uh, and, and everybody loves doing it. And as, as you all come in, you all drive up to the top of the mountain where the convention centre is. And as you head into the main auditorium, there in big letters across the wall, at the top reads, All one in Christ Jesus. And this is what they were doing as they headed up to Jerusalem. They were all coming as one to worship the one God. And so this psalm is all about the joy of that unity. 
And the psalmist tells us in a very poetic way what that unity is like, why it's so joyful, and also hints at where we might find it today. So let's take a few moments to reflect on this. First of all, what is this unity like? What is so joyful about this unity? And the psalmist gives us two pictures, uh, two pictures that aren't immediately relatable, but we'll do a bit of work and hopefully they'll make some sense. So the first picture that the psalmist gives, if you have a look at verse 2 there, this unity, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Now, like I said, this will take a bit of imagining. Not many of us are used to grabbing some olive oil from Waitrose, going home and tipping it over our head. But this, in the ancient world, was a way that you would refresh yourself. But it's even more than that, if you have a look at it. The the image just grows and grows in its significance and its importance. So it's not just any oil that gets poured, but it's It's precious oil that's poured on the head. And it's not just a little bit of oil, but it's so much oil that it runs down onto your beard. And then the image grows even more. It's it's not just running down on anybody's beard, it's running down on Aaron's beard. Now, who's Aaron? Well, Aaron was Moses' brother, and he was the first high priest of Israel. And there was a special oil that was set apart to be poured on himself, and it would consecrate him to the Lord. It would set him apart to serve the Lord. And so this picture of oil here, this isn't just any oil that's being used. No, it is the holy oil of the high priest. And look how much of it there is. It just pours down onto his head, onto his beard, onto his robe. In the Hebrew, you get this this sense of repetition three times, running down on the beard, running down on the head, running down on the robe. What is this a picture of? I think it's interesting that this is all coming from above, coming down onto him. I think what this picture is, is a picture of abundant blessing. It is an abundant blessing poured down from from above, from heaven. From God. And that's what unity is like. This abundant blessing that is just poured out onto us from God. Well, the second image is again one of abundance and blessing from God. Have a look at verse 3. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now again, this takes a little bit of unpacking to make sense of it. In a land that was mostly dry desert, Mount Hermon is an amazing place, still today. It is a cluster of mountains on the border of Syria and Israel with three summits. And because of its height, it captures a huge amount of rain and dew. And the runoff feeds streams and rivers at the base of the mountain, which merge to become the Jordan River. And this facilitates plant life below. There are lush vineyards and pine and poplar trees. And all of this in the midst of a desert. Doesn't take much imagination these days to think of a desert, doesn't when we look at the grass outside. I'm so used to the lush green of the English countryside. And I'm really reminded of Australia these days as I look at the grass. It's all dead and dry and brown. 
But in the midst of that, you just have this lush green that comes from the dew on top. It's a picture of abundant blessing. But did you notice that the psalmist doesn't say that unity is like the dew on Mount Hermon and that's it. No, he says it's as if the dew of Mount Hermon was falling on Mount Zion. That's where the city of Jerusalem is, the mountain that God's people are walking up to worship God. A place that very much is not abundant in rain. But the psalmist says that when they gather together, it's such a beautiful unity. It's so rich and abundant. It's such a blessing from God that it's as if overnight everyone woke up and they discovered dew on their tents and water rushing off this dry mountain and suddenly green everywhere they look. And so what, what is the picture that we're given here? It is a picture of blessing, abundant blessing from God. Do you long for that? That blessing poured out from God, that refreshment, that joy of unity. Well, if you do, and I hope you do, where can we find such unity? Because it doesn't take long for us to look around and discover that unity is hard to find, isn't it? We live in a deeply divided world. Just look at the conflicts that are going on around the world. Look at what's happening in the Ukraine or the tensions between China and Taiwan, or the ongoing and seemingly never-ending conflict between Israel and Palestine. But of course we don't have to look overseas, we can look on our own shores to find conflict and disunity. Our political parties, they don't even need each other to fight, they do a pretty good job of just fighting within, the, within themselves. Our streets are plagued by gang violence, knife crime, gun crime, People intent on killing each other and then awfully killing innocent people in the process. Of course, if you spend a minute on social media, you'll discover a society that now trades in hate. Desperate to criticise, cancel, crush, pushing people down so that they can pull themselves up in a sea of outrage. That's the world we live in. It's not a united world, is it? It's interesting how the psalmist begins here. He says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. I think it suggests, doesn't it, that that's not always the case. That even here, amongst God's people, we can be divided, can't we? Whether it's at a denominational level, splitting and splintering, or at a local level. Are you harbouring envy for someone? Is there a root of bitterness? Refusing to forgive? Or simply keeping your distance from those around you? There's disunity even amongst the people of God. And you can imagine it at the festival in Jerusalem, can't you? You People from all over completely packed together in a small place, crammed in. You know, someone takes the wrong turn with their donkey, dings someone else's card, and all of a sudden there's a big uproar going on. You can imagine the disunity that even took place there, even though they're all meant to be coming together to worship God. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We know it to be true. 
We know how good it is when we experience it, but we also know how hard it can be. So where can we find it? Where is this blessing of unity to come from? And I think the answer is in the imagery that we've been talking about all along. It's from above. Did you notice that the oil that pours down from above? The dew, it comes from above. The rain, it comes from above. Unity is a blessing that comes from God. He is the one who blesses us with unity. It's not something that we can just find on our own or work together on our own. It has to come from God. And do you see where the psalm ends? In Mount Zion, where God's people have come to worship, the psalmist says, There the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. See, the blessing is found in Zion. It's found as God's people come to worship God, to worship God together. When God's people come together, united in purpose, to give glory to God, when they're singing with one voice in praise to Him, when they're praying together, when they participate in worship together, that is where the true blessing of unity is poured out on God's people. I think this is actually really important for us to understand because the mistake we can often make as a church when it comes to seeking unity is that we think we should try and find unity by any means possible. That is, we should seek unity for unity's sake. We know that unity is a good thing. We rightly want to remain united. But sometimes we think that the way to do that is to compromise on our worship of God. And so there are some in the church who would say, well, let's not get hung up on what the Bible says about this or that because it just divides people. Let's not worry too much about whether people are obeying God or not. That just creates conflict. Let's just love each other and be united. And at first, when you think about it, that sounds right. That sounds good. Yes, we should be united. Why are we creating these things to create conflict? But it actually completely misses the point because it's God. It's our worship of God that unites us. Unity comes from God. And so we should never imagine that we can remain united as a church if we are moving away from God. If we move away from God, we will inevitably move away from one another as well. It will be like the people on their way up to Jerusalem saying, you know, it doesn't really matter which road we take or which mountain we go up or even which God we worship. Each their own. What matters is that we're just having a nice walk together. I think that completely misses the point, doesn't it? What they are united in is their worship of God. They are one because He is one. And when they do worship Him, when they go up together to the mountain, unity is poured out on them as a blessing, like oil rushing down on the head, like dew on the mountaintop. Now, of course, we don't ascend the hill of the Lord anymore. We don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship God. We don't even need to go into this beautiful building to worship God. True worship is found in Jesus. That's what Jesus says. He says that true worship, now that he has come, won't be on the mountain in Jerusalem or another mountain, but it will be found in him. Why? Why? Because he is the one in whom God 
truly dwells. He is God who has come to us. And so where do we find true unity? We find unity in Jesus, in worshipping Jesus together. It is why he died, to bring people from all nations together as one body, his body. And what that means is, the closer we all come to Jesus, the more we will devote ourselves to him, the more we love him, the more we serve him, the more we obey him, the more we honour him, the more we proclaim him, the more we'll be united together as one. Uh, C.S. Lewis, the uh, famous uh, Oxford Don who also wrote the children's books, um, the Narnia series, uh, he wrote uh, another very short book on the different loves uh, that we can note both in the Bible but in our lives as well. And uh, in this book he wrote a very interesting comparison between the love that we find in friendship and the love of the romantic love that you'll have between two lovers. And this is what he says about the difference between these two loves. He says, Lovers are normally face-to-face, absorbed in each other. Friends are side-by-side, absorbed in some common interest. That's an interesting picture, isn't it? Lovers, face-to-face, but friends are side-by-side, absorbed in some common interest. I would say that the church is engaged in that second sort of love. That is, if we want unity, we don't peer into each other hoping for unity just by focusing on one another. No, we stand side by side together, looking to God. And as we worship Him, we are united together. Uh, My family, uh, we went to Cornwall uh, for a lovely beach holiday uh, a couple of weeks ago. The weather was perfect, um, and I have to say, the beach was as good as Australia, which I I didn't think I could say. But uh, it was amazing. No rocks, actual sand, uh, lovely sunny days, beautiful crystal clear water. It was a great holiday. And one of the really fun things that we saw when we were on the beach uh, was that a beach mission had been set up on the beach. Now, I don't know if you know what a beach mission is, but a beach mission is where... Actually, I think they just called it the beach team now, but I think historically it's been called beach mission. Uh, and a beach mission is a group of Christians who uh, come, come together and they go and they set up on a beach... And they run activities for kids and for families, and they tell people about Jesus. Uh, And usually they'll go down for a week, and then a new team will come in and and take over, and and they'll stay for a week. And it was really great to see the beach mission there, and and, and we joined in. But the reason it was so great is, is that I've been involved in beach missions for a long time. For about 12 years, I was on a beach mission. I met my wife on a beach mission, and I loved going to beach mission. And what I loved more than anything else was the unity You know, we stayed in the same place together. We ate together. We sang at the dinner table together. We had devotions together. We were on mission together. We were working together to tell other people about Jesus. It was a real joy. It was the joy of unity. And that unity was only there because we were all there for that one purpose of worshipping God, honouring Him and serving Him. Now, don't get me wrong, beach mission is exhausting, and you could not replicate that every day. That's impossible. But I think it gives us a glimpse of the unity that we can enjoy every day together here as a church. A unity that comes when we join together to live for Christ, to praise his name, 
to encourage one another and to proclaim him to Little Shelford and beyond. Now, I don't know if you know that unity. Have you tasted the joy of that unity? I certainly have here at this church. I love this church. I love the unity that we share here. And I'd love to invite you to discover that as well. Do you long for that unity in the Lord? If you do, if this is something that you long for, I want to encourage you to ascend the hill of the Lord with me. To turn your eyes to Christ. To seek him with all your heart in full obedience and faith. To stand side by side together. Looking to God. And as we do that, God will pour out the blessing of unity, the joy of unity, a joy that this world has never seen. Let's pray. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Father, we pray for this blessing. We pray for this blessing upon your church throughout the world. And we pray for this blessing within our church here at Little Shelford. May we be a people that deeply love you and so deeply love one another. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.